Good morning or good afternoon. How's everybody? Good. Good. You know, I do want to reiterate that Christmas um, show uh, concert is going to be really good. Um, I've seen, I've heard some of the songs and I've heard some of the things that they're going to do and, you know, God's totally going to be in it. Um, This is something that people will go to who aren't usually, uh, you know, are afraid of church. And people are afraid of church, aren't they? You know, church to them is, you're going to go, you go to church and people are going to try to control you and they just have a lot of fears. They don't realize that it's, um, church is really meant to congregate so you can get to know who God is and grow in your knowledge of God and uh, be blessed by him. The Lord doesn't want to leave us where we are. That's why he came to save us and rescue us. Um, not just um, to deliver us from the evil um, that Jody talked about, because it is there, but also God wants to put his goodness in us, does he not? This is the good news. Can everyone say good news? news. Turn to someone and say, it's really good news. It it really is. It really is. It's, It's amazing news. The more you walk with the Lord, the more you will realize how good and amazing it is. God is, he gets better and better, not only in your mind, um, uh, but in your experiences. Uh, Because you know who he is, you start to walk with him, you start to see what he's like. Um, I'm going to ask God to open up his word and that he would uh, make it applicable for us. Lord, I thank you uh, for your scriptures. They are truth. And uh, Lord, we can search them out and find out if they're true. They're existentially true. They're experientially true. Lord, they're historically true. They're archaeologically true. Lord, they're uh, longevity, survivability true. They're true in every sense. Lord, they're true for us. They're true to us. And um, I pray that you'd make these words come to life for our hearts so that we can know you better. Lord, there's not a person in here that doesn't have a struggle and something that they're struggling within in the heart, uh, trying to find something, trying to find you, trying to find peace, trying to find... Um, just some of us are just trying to get through the day. How am I going to make it through? And I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your grace and your spirit upon us, Lord, so that we can know you in power, so that we can know your goodness. Lord, that we can, in this case, know your gentleness. So open our eyes, open our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Am I loud enough back there? Can you hear me? Raise your hand back there if you can hear me. No, a couple in the back are saying a little louder. So if you can put it there, it's not, fine. Okay, Uh, gentleness. Boy, now that's an interesting word, isn't it? Um, You know, when I I first was going through the sermon series, I was thinking to myself, this might be an easy series because, you know, putting it together. And the Word of God, it's not that it's difficult, but some things, um, you know, take a little bit more study and more research because you're really trying to find things out um, that are maybe longer themes in the Bible, like an overview of Genesis or, you know, understanding the applicability of Leviticus to to the cross and to the New Testament. Um, and I thought, when I looked at the fruits of the Spirit, I go, huh, oh, let's be able to work through those. But they've been much more challenging for me than I thought. Um, because how many know that the Word of God comes alive for you when you're reading it? You know, and all of a sudden you're going, yeah. And, and, and this is, I mentioned in my first, the first service, gentleness didn't make my top five. 
you know, attributes that I was looking for. You know, I look at the attributes of God and I think power. That's good. How many like power? How, how many want power? Yeah, only three of you. What are you? What's wrong with the rest of you? You guys wake up and go, no, I don't want power. I want gentleness. <laughs> I don't know how I turned into a Monty Python joke there, but come on. How many want power? You don't want power? You want to turn to your kids and go, dad, you got any power? No, I didn't want any. Are you kidding me? You want power. I mean, you know, you feel power. You know, when I look at the motorcycle and I sit on a motorcycle and you hit the throttle, you're like, power. Right? You know, there's nothing. I grew up with dirt bikes. And, you know, just when you're on the hill or on the mountain, and you're just, ning, 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 there's something about that power that, you know, just like it throttles you forward that you just love. Or, you know, I didn't grow up riding horses, but when I see a horse, how many, they're powerful. How many know the horse is intimidating? I, I know people who are used to them, they just kind of like, oh, it's a horse. But I look at the horse, I'm going, does this thing behave? <laughs> like, because like the horse will kind of look at you like, how smart is the horse? <laughs> like, he's going, idiot. <laughs> You know, but power is something that you want. And when you look at the fruits of the spirit, you think love. How many want love? I want love. And and it's just like, I I want it in my marriage. I want it with my kids. I want it with my neighborhood. I want it with you guys. I want love. I want to experience love in my life with friendships. I want joy. I want peace. You know, I can even look at some things like patience. Like I don't want it, but I want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like, it's one of those ones like you get no matter whether you want it or not. It's like, here it comes. What's coming? Patience. Oh, man. You know, I'm getting it right now. You know, and then you love the King James, you know, translates it long suffering. It's like, I like patience better. I don't know. But, you know, and then, and then you get, you know, of course, you know, things like kindness and goodness. And, you know, when you look at the, the root Greek words of kindness. Kindness is really focused on the original substance of a thing where God's saying, this is what it is, so be kind to it. That's what kindness is. Look at what it is and treat it the way it deserves, kindly. Okay, it's the kindness of God. It's the loving kindness of God. And then when I got to goodness, you know, I was blown away by... The glory of God, when Moses cries out and says, Lord, show me your glory. And the scripture says, and God displayed, he, he basically paraded his goodness before Moses. Imagine seeing the goodness of God. And if you've walked with the Lord, you've had those times where you may have been discouraged and you're reading the word or you've been praying and you're discouraged and all of a sudden God shows you, I'm good. And you go, and I've got your life, and I have good things for you, and I've got good things coming ahead. That's goodness. But goodness is different than kindness because good will go after the right thing whether it seems kind or not. It's good. It's just good. And kindness is the way it ought to be treated. Gentleness, what we're talking about today, is not one that I would normally thought of going after, but after studying it, it's totally changed my mind. Isn't the word of God awesome? It's changed my mind because 
I've always thought of it just kind of being sort of tender, sort of merciful. And even in the Webster's Dictionary, he has tender, merciful. But when you look at the Greek, it's really talking the word praus or prates is the word that is power under control. I have the power to do stuff, but I have the control to ease it down too. I, I can throttle back my power to its strength to punch or I can just caress someone on the cheek to say, I care about you. There is the ability. With my words, I can command, go! Or I can say, I care about you. I love you. It, kindness is a control of power. It is the ability. I was talking to Kiri, who cuts my hair, who goes to our church, and she was talking to me about men only having a one-trick pony haircut. You know, they only have one type of haircut. And, you know, it's kind of like we want to have control, but we want to narrow it down, you know, to one look and one style. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But when, when, you, when, when you look at this power and this throttle of control, I think of when I used to work on cars, when I thought I could work on cars. Um, you know, when I graduated high school, I, I got a broken down car as a present it, it, so I could fix it up. We didn't have a whole lot of money. And so it was like, here's a car. And if you can make, get it running, it's yours. So me and a friend of mine got a new engine for it. It was a Fiat, which if you don't know what that stands for, it stands for fix it again, Tony, is what I've heard, Right? not to pick on you Italians out there. But, but, but so, so, and there's this part, there's this one bolt, and I remember exactly in my mind where it was. It was connected, it was basically connecting one of the, the, the external manifolds to the, to the body, and it was kind of like moving to the front, and it was like this one bolt that stood on the front, and, you, and it needed a torque wrench. Well, I was gonna, we were going to do this ourselves. We got the manual, and everything was working really great. And we actually eventually got the whole engine back together. The only problem was is that there was a lot of spare parts that we had no idea where they went to. Because we would run into parts and go, and this is some kind of smog thing. Let's not put it on. We don't need this. You know? And then we'd get another part and go, we don't need this. And then we're finally going, I wonder if this thing's going to run. There's a lot of piles big. <laughs> we didn't replace all these things. But um, eventually it did run on three cylinders. Um, and we were about to take it apart, so that's how it ran until it died. But they had, this torque wrench is, had to be that this bolt had to be a certain tension. Like, you, you have to follow it because the manufacturer, when they build the motor, they say, this is how much tension this bolt needs, and not any more, not any less. So some, after you tighten it by its own heat and stuff, I guess, it's going to stay... Sturdy. You don't need it anymore. But the whole time I was thinking, every time I torqued something, every time they pulled it out and he goes, you got to torque it to this, I'd get it to that torque and I'd go, that isn't enough. <laughs> and I'd do more. How many know what I'm talking about? It just seemed like I don't want my engine falling apart. But it didn't help because they, the manufacturer, the creator of this thing knows what it's doing. That's why they're giving you these specs. And there's certain things in our relationships where we have to torque it to a certain thing. You, you could yell at your kids. You could command them to do something, but you shouldn't. 
You need to control the power that you have, and you need to wind it down. Do I hear an amen? amen? How many, raise your hand if you understand what I'm saying, okay? Now, I want you to think about the all-powerful, almighty God who has all force, who, who built an exploding, expanding universe that, you know, flung out there, this universe that has all kinds of hydrogen and chemicals, but at the same time, he's got atomic structures that are gently and precisionly fine-tuned. God has the ability to display and demonstrate his power, but yet move back and carefully and delicately be a shepherd to his people. You know, you look inside the cell, and not only do you see the force of the power working in the cell, but you see little nanotech machines, which are information recognition um, devices that, that are precise, and God gently has put these together. God doesn't use all of his force, and I'm going to demonstrate that in a few ways. So gentleness. Can everyone just say the word gentleness? There's another word. Can you say this word? Say meekness. Meekness. And in the world, I think meekness equals weakness, right? It's kind of like, you know, because when I'm meek, I, at first I thought it said the geek, you, you know, the geek shall inherit the earth. I go, I don't want that, you know. But gentleness is an attribute of God, okay? Go ahead and put the slide down there. The, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, it, by the way, it's not singular, it's fruit, the fruit of him, the fruit of him, the Holy Spirit, who is in you through the cross. The fruit of the Spirit is, and then he gives these attributes. His fruit, it's not the fruits. The, it, right before this verse, it says the acts of the sinful nature are factions, dissensions, gossip, and it names all these things. That's us. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is like this. It's love and it's joy, and there's peace, and there's patience. And then he gets to this one, it's gentleness. The fruit of God in our life is a gentleness, a meekness. It doesn't mean that there's no power. We know that these gifts that he are given to us have that word dunamis, which is dynamite, which is powerful. But it's a power that is under control. Do I hear an Amen. Okay, so it's a natural fruitfulness. Now, meekness and gentleness in the world, um, and sometimes when men try to be gentle in their own power, can be fear. People are gentle because they're afraid. You know, they're they're real real gentle, and they go, let me be really gentle. I'm going to be careful in my relationships. It's not a Christ-like gentleness that can throttle up to any power it needs to be. It's one that only has one, one dial to it. Uh, and the reason is, is because it's man-made. It's driven by the flesh. It's driven by a fear. It's driven by a doubt. Maybe it's driven by a control. But the one that comes from God is a powerful one. Gentleness, can everyone say, with power. It's with power. Now, our call is not to be that fearful, cowardly person. In fact, God does not respect cowards. And if you'd be honest, you have cowardice in your own heart and life in areas. It's part of our sinfulness. It's part of what God is delivering us from to make us courageous, but not just fearless. You know how sometimes the daredevil people will go, I'm going to skateboard over this giant mountain to overcome my fear. But then you ask them to tell their girlfriends that they love them and they can't. Right? It's, it's like they still are cowards. 
right? And I'm not saying you're cowards. I'm saying we, cowardice is part of the sinful nature. But love and courage and gentleness and meekness is not cowardice. That's not the calling. The calling is we are meant to be who we are. We're being called to who we are. Imagine a range of emotion of power and strength dialed down to a gentleness. God wants us to have the wide range of palate. That means it's under control, which is my whole topic next week, self-control. Please don't miss it. Or if you miss it, please listen to it because I guarantee it, you're going to get some real life-changing things on it, things that I, I think are super profound. I've done a lot of research and study on this because it's a life quest. When you look at gentleness and the tenderness of it. You want to have that wide range of palate because if you don't have self-control to be gentle, to be gentle and meek in this way or gentle and meek in the way that you might even attract people, then what what happens is you are a person who's the opposite. You're unpredictable. There's a volatility to your heart and your life. People don't know how your words might come out. They might be harsh. They might be volatile because you don't know how to dial it down. Or you have a man-made gentleness that when you have to move away from gentleness and become more firm and become more forceful and leave the gentleness, then you're not able to because it's only fabricated. How many are sticking with me here? Okay, so the fruit of the Spirit. He tends his uh, sheep, Isaiah 40, 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb. So pick picture, he's talking about the father here. This is Isaiah 40. And he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. It's not just heart, like physically close to his heart. His heartbeat. God grabs us like the sheep, especially the herding sheep. And he picks them up. He moves them close to his heart. He carries them and he leads them to green pastures. And sometimes he makes them lie down. Right? How how many sometimes need to be made to lie down, by the way? You know what I mean? You're going, I'm fine. How come I feel this pressure on my head all the time? It's like always there. God's trying to make you lie down by the green pastures so that you can get some good water. You know, when Elijah run, is running away from the king and his wife, uh, Jezebel, um, he runs and runs because there's a big, they're killing all the, the, um, the children of Israel, and especially the leaders. And I, Elijah, this big, strong prophet, is afraid. And he runs to God and he goes, God, all this stuff has happened. And, and it says then God demonstrated his earthquake and then God showed him one powerful thing, thunder, and he named all that stuff and, he, and then a you know, big wind came by and, and, and Elijah's going, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, it's like in his right ear, he all of a sudden just heard a gentle whisper and he says, what can I do for you, Elijah? Like, I'm here. You're, you're intimidated by all kinds of stuff. You're afraid, but hear my, and it says in, that, in the Hebrew there, a gentle whisper from the Lord came to him and spoke to him. Our God is a gentle God. How many say amen? And so you can turn to the next one. When Jesus comes in um, and finally reveals himself as the blessed Hosanna, and, and you hear the song being sung, and, and you know, you've probably seen the plays you know, where people have their palm. It's a, it's a fulfillment of, of a feast of the Old Testament. And as he's entering into Jerusalem, 
you know, he, he's telling them right before that, he's saying, go get this colt. Tell this person that the Lord sent you, and then he'll give you this, this donkey. It's going to be a son of a colt, and he gives them some instructions. And it says, see your king comes to you gentle, riding on a donkey. This is the opposite of what you'd expect the way a king would arrive. The king's supposed to come in glory, and let me promise you, those of you who might think, oh, God, I don't know if he exists, blah, blah, blah. One day you're going to see God in his power. He's not just going to become where we feel him and sense him and maybe believe in him. He's going to come with his mighty rushing angels, and he will reveal himself in power and glory. Seriously. And our hearts are to be those that await on him. But this God, when he came to reveal himself in the manner in which he would substitute for our sins, comes in gently riding on a donkey, right in the heart of Jerusalem. When you see Mark Anthony and you see um, Caesar Augustus or some of the older kings enter into power, it's completely different. Mussolini and others who have just entered into their place of power, it's with tanks or it's with chariots with great trumpets and fanfare, here you have Jesus coming in small on a donkey and going, that's how I want it to be, gentle, riding. That's Jesus. He's the double-edged sword, the one in John doesn't even recognize in the book of Revelation chapter one where it says he's got two feet burnished with bronze. Woo! Listen, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. This is the same Jesus who, who is pictured like the father carrying the sheep. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know what this looks like. And you know it in yourself. You're worn out. You're burdened. You can't let it go. I meet people like that all the time. You're carrying it, and you just, it's like they're carrying a big burden. And you go, how are things going? They can't even say it's going well. And even when you tell them to unload it, they don't know how. They're like, yeah, I know I should unload it but I'm not going to because I don't know what to do. And, and, and it's like he's saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. And there's many people that will say, you know, I thought God wouldn't give me any more than I can bear. This is more than I can bear. But you're bearing more than what God has given you. You need to hand that over to the Lord so that he can carry it. Do I hear an amen? amen. He says, you know, take my yoke upon you. Take the yoke on, on you so that you carry I'll carry the other side of the yoke of the oxen and I'll carry the lion's share of the burden, the drag, you know, to build the crop in your life and learn from me. And he says, for I am, can you just say with me, say, I am gentle. I am gentle. And he's humble in heart. The heartbeat of God is gentle. It's humble. Don't, aren't, you, aren't you amazed at the God we serve? Don't let people define for you who God is. You know? Oh, I suppose God is like this. You know, no, that's not God. That's the God of your imagination. People go, I would never serve a God like that. And I go, I've never served that God either. But that's not my God. My God is gentle and humble in heart. And he says, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. You know, Jesus could have been sent here to unleash hell and just bring justice and judgment. And who would have had a word against him that would have stood? I don't know if you guys have ever been in court, but I have. 
And there's nothing worse than standing before a judge explaining your stupid predicament. (laughs) Right? And you're like the next loser. Mr. Van Ree, um, the dog ate my homework and I forgot to bring it. And, you know, and you got all these excuses. Trust me. When all excuses disappear, it won't matter. You'll stand before God. Thank God that he is gentle and humble. Amen? Okay, how many would like to be gentle? You want gentleness in your life. Please don't conjure it up. Ask the Holy Spirit to produce it in you. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? We know from Galatians 3, which comes before that chapter of the fruit, that he says, it cannot come by human effort. Are you so vain that you're now going to try to attain this goal by human effort? Jesus clearly was portrayed to you as crucified. It's obviously coming from the gospel. Be completely, first of all, number one, I need to be gentle, number one. Can you just say it with me? Say, in my actions, okay, in the way that I act. Now, we're going to talk about this transformation, but it's going to translate. And Paul gives the instructions in Ephesians 4 through 6 when he's trying to tell the church how to live, how to think, how to relate to one another. Parents, children, husbands, wives, you know, owners and workers. And he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and see how relational it is. Bearing with one another in love. In other words, we got to be humble with each other in our relationships. You got to be humble. We have to be gentle. In other words, not just gentle, but the fact that it's a controlled gentle, that we can control our emotions, that they're not just flying off the handle. I must submit myself to God's control. I submit myself to God's power. It's why we talk about simple things like finances. I know that those things sound like the biggest things like finances. Those are the little things. Those are the things you do at first. That you start off, you, sur- you surrender. Before you surrender your personality to God, you surrender your money to God. Amen? It's because money is just a, a tangible thing that sits in your wallet, sits in your pocket. It's, not, it's connected to you because it's your provision. It's your able to have a good time on a Friday night, right? It's your Rocky Mountain power bill. But at the same time, as you're letting it go, it's an attachment to God wanting you to let go of your heart. So you're, you're not bound that you're free to let the life of God flow. It'll flow in every area of your life. I know that this is easier said than done, but I'm telling you, this is one, one way you can imitate those who have gone before you, that there is a way to walk with the Lord. Okay? So a control here. We need to uh, grow in our gentleness through our actions. Listen to this, Galatians 6.1. If we're with people who've blown it and they had made a mistake, it says, brother, if someone is caught in a sin, kick them. And then kick them again. And then show them through lectures how they've blown it. And then post it on Facebook. (laughs) With a negative slant. And start the sentence with, I didn't want to say anything, but can you believe? Right? But gentleness restrains you. Gentleness restrains the power that you have. You have the ability to say it, to act on it, but you won't. 
And it says, it says, you who are spiritual, we're not talking about a general, like, who's a spiritual person? I mean, we're, we're talking about someone like Stephen, someone who was known full of faith, full of the Spirit. Who is walking in the Spirit now? That person who is spiritual should restore this person how? Gently. Gently. You, you come with a restrained power. You don't unleash your power. You don't, when you're disagreeing with your wife, you don't unleash all your power. You restrain it and find the right temperament. And you find the gentleness that moves and helps bring your family to the right direction, to the right place. You give her a place of predictability so that you're, there's no volatility. That's the opposite of gentleness. And if you blow it, you just say, Lord, I got to grow in gentleness. Do I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, I'm not, no one's expecting you to be perfect. Restore him gently. So watch yourself. You may also be tempted. When you get near that, you don't want to be tempted. If fire is in a fireplace and it's in the hearth, you know, and, and it's like we have a fire pit in our backyard and we love to sit around it and worship and just hang out. And, you know, that fire is good. But if you get a fire that gets, gets caught up and it gets stuck in the rafters or up in the roof and the ceilings, that fire is out of control. The power is good, but without it under control, it can bring destruction, it can bring death. Say amen if you agree with me. Okay. Psalm 32, 9 says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding. And it doesn't mean they don't understand anything, but they don't have the same cognizance that we do. Whose trappings include brit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. You know, they have to, there's a restraint that they have to have. Okay, like a, a, a wild animal or a taming that they have to have. Now, I, I watched, uh, some of you guys may have watched that Netflix special called, I think it was a horse whisperer or something like that. How many have seen that one? You know, they, they had a, it spoke so much to me, that, that special. But he was a, he was a, a, a young man who, who his, he grew up in the circus, um, kind of, um, he could, you know, do rope and stuff like that. I don't know what that's called, but... Rope tricks, what? Lasso rope tricks. That's how I grew up in L.A. We always grew up doing our lasso rope tricks. <laughs> hey, what are you doing, Tyrone? Rope tricks. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I just can't picture him doing it. But, you know, and the thing is, is that, is that he was, they were training horses, and they, when they were trying to get them to, to do their tricks, they, they would put all these really restricting mechanisms and machines, almost torturing this animal. And this guy, he'd been raised, he was abused as a child, so much so that he resented it so much that he decided to go to the opposite way. And he decided to, to love the horses and be friends with the horses and train them in a loving way. And his horses would do what the other horses wouldn't do. It's a remarkable story. And, and trust me, you think that maybe God's going to come in there and not care about what's in your heart. Just come in there and roughhouse it and just go, I'm going to fix stuff. You know, and you've had, have you had people like that in your life? They've come, in too, they've come in with full guns blazing. They meant well. But they said, you know what? You just need to change. If you would just start going over there and you need to start like that, then pretty soon you're just hearing, you want the other possibility, you want the other possibility. 
and say for the better thing about the year for the good like man. I put the university that type much you for the good to get a marriage set up for it, and you for the good to marry set up. But I sort of the we for the good to say, it's better about it. You're like, what? And then they go, Did you understand? And you're lying. Yeah. I understand. Are you going to start doing it? I'm going to pray about that. <laughs> what you're thinking to yourself is, God, I hope you're not like that. <laughs> Don't you? Because, God, if you're like that, I'm in deep doo-doo. <laughs> I hope. And then, and then it makes me want to read my Bible, and I go, thank God. <sighs> I have Jesus Christ. Right? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest for your souls. Right? This is, this is the, don't be, don't be like the horse. Don't, don't be resistant. Don't be the one who says, I'm not going to learn gentleness. I'll be who I am. You don't even know who you are. There, there's things about you that are much more dynamic than you've ever known or discovered that God has for you. You don't even know the kind of leader you are. There are some of you that are great and mighty leaders in this room, but have no idea about it. You just don't. You, don't, you may not believe it. You've, you've seen defeat so many times, you think, I'll never see success. But God has great success for you, I promise you. And, and I'm not just trying to build you up and encourage you. I am trying to do that, but that's my goal is to be truthful. God has purpose for you. He's got goodness and kindness and faithfulness for you. He's got power. He's not going to lead you from death to death to death. He's going to lead you from glory to glory to glory to finally an eternal glory that will outweigh any momentary and light trouble that you'll experience or affliction in this world. <sighs> Hallelujah. Amen. Don't, don't be the fool. I, I love this by Dr. Lloyd. He says, meekness is power under control. It is the restraint of power for the accomplishment of a higher cause and the willingness to bear reproach for the sake of love. It is the cultivation of a spirit of servanthood by where we think of others more highly than ourselves. Isn't that tough? A meek person uses his strength to serve instead of to overtake, control, and protect. There are two ways of displaying one's strength. One is to push others down, make a way for yourself. But a meek chooses to pull others up instead. Philippians 4, 5 says it this way. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let it just display. Let it be displaying. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. If everything be Thanksgiving, make a request known to God. When you're trying to push something through with your power, and you have this power and you've got to move it through, so you want to exert your power, but instead you're going to do something gentle. And you're going to take the power that you have and you're going to use that power to talk to God. How many say amen? amen? You're going to control yourself. You are going to take the power that you have and use it for the relationship that God has secured for you in Christ. You're not going to worry because you're going to trust him. You know, and the Bible says, the meek shall inherit the earth, the humble, the gentle. It's not a future end time scripture. It's, it's a blessed, it's a beatitude. It's a how you should live. God wants to bless us with the, the fruit of the land. 
He wants to give us the produce of the land. Increase, be fruitful, and multiply. I need to be gentle, number two. These will be shorter. In my action, number two, in my words. I love this scripture. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Listen, there's you have the two. Think of the power of wrath. Someone fuming. And what turns it away? A gentle answer. A gentle spirit. Jesus is slapped and turns the other cheek to hear. There's no more power. What happens when you don't fight in that same way? I'm not saying that you never fight. I'm saying under the control of the Holy Spirit. Gentleness has power. The chaos levels around us are going to fluctuate, aren't they? The chaos is going to rise and it's going to decrease. Then it's going to come up in a new area and then it's going to decrease. But not a man-made gentleness, but a God-driven fruit by the Holy Spirit gentleness will bring an even keelness to our heart and spirit. It'll bring a gentleness that throttles and gives a control of that throttle that I can control the strength that I have through gentleness. And I can rage to power if it needs to be there. But I can throttle it down. Do I hear an amen? A proactive person is self-controlled. A reactive person is other-controlled. Proverbs 25, 15 says, Patience can persuade a prince. A soft, which is the Hebrew, they're gentle. Speech can break bones. There's power. I don't have to say everything, right? I don't need to exercise all my power all the time. I don't need to flex on my defenses all the time. Meekness and gentleness can guide me. Persuasion, patience, these things have power as well. And the third one here, and this is just such an important one, in my, number one, in my actions, two, in my words, number three, in my image. I need to be gentle in my image. And I don't mean the, just the look. I'm talking about what emanates from me, from you. What, what, how you emanate, you project yourself. You carry yourself kind of like this little avatar, you know what I mean, in the world. You know, in the, in the games, in the computer game world, you can put little attributes to your avatar. You can go, I want to have more armor on my right side, and I want to have a sword. And you start to add, or if it's a gun game, you know, I want a sniper rifle. And, you know, you start to add some bombs and things that you want to go into the game that you're playing. Well, in this world, we emanate things too. And sometimes we, we want to put things on either externally you know, our appearance, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with just having something that decorates you. But God is really going to focus here on the inward power of his spirit, the gentleness of a quiet spirit that emanates who he is, is a more attractive option to God and has more influence in the kingdom. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever thought to yourself where you had to go into a, like a new job situation or a, a new family situation or friendship situation and you're wondering how you should carry yourself? You're thinking, you know, I want to make a good impression and you know, maybe I need to wear the right pants or shirt or you know, you know, whatever it is that you're thinking, I want to come off confident and you're thinking these things through. It's good to just know how to be yourself. Do I hear Amen with the Holy Spirit uh, being transformed who you are, ha- him having grown you, that there's a quietness. And I love this one. It says, he, this is Jesus, this is Isaiah 53, the suffering servant 
um, scripture uh, fulfilling Isaiah 7 through 9. It, it said, uh, you know, to us a child is born, a son is given. We'll talk about that more at Christmas time. It says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. In other words, he, he didn't, Jesus didn't come out, and I've mentioned this before, as the, wow, look at him. He looks like that guy. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. In other words, Jesus wanted the purity of who he was to attract us to him. Not the, not his physical attraction. And, and so you have to think about it. How am I going to attract people to my life, my qualities, and my ambience? And I'm going to use First uh, Peter here. He's addressing it to women. Uh, but we know in the Old Testament, um, it says, in the image of God, you know, God, male and female, Esh and Isha, the, the Hebrew terms there, God created them. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them. So we, we are made male and female in the image of God, not just Adam. It's male and female, if you look at the context there. So we are reflecting Christ's beauty. And he says this here. Now, he doesn't say that you can't. So if you're wearing jewelry and you have a dress on and you have lipstick, do not feel bad. It's, God's not saying that you can't do things to make beautiful. We know that from the Song of Solomon. You know, that there's a beauty that, that, that God says, okay, and it can't just be men or women. I'm, I'm not saying that men should wear lipstick or anything. You, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that, that you, you know, you, how you comb your hair, whatever it is that you do or that you need to do. Some people have to do more, and I won't point them out, but they're kind of in this area a little bit toward the I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> A, a, a woman, he's trying to tell the women, he's saying, I want you to be beautiful in the inside, okay? And, and, and I, I, was, I was thinking about it, and I know Fran Pillow's here. I mentioned her this, this morning. I said, Fran Pillow, and, I'm, and there's another one, Susie Nelson. I said, and it's not that I didn't want to include my wife, but I wanted to picture some people that I know. They're beautiful not that they're not beautiful on the outside, they are, but they are very beautiful on the inside. How many say amen? It, you, you, they emanate a radiance of the Lord. That's what you see. And, the, and that beauty, listen to what he says. He said, your beauty shouldn't come from outward adornment. He's not saying don't wear it. He says, don't let it be drawn. It's a little different in the Greek. It's not, it's not pulled from that such as the braided hair, wearing the gold jewelry, the fine clothes, or whatever the latest style is. This is 2,000 years old. You know, it's whatever the style is. It's not the style. It's not the new boots that you bought at the store. You know, it's like, wow, I want those boots. Boy, she looks good in those boots. That's not the point. The point is if that's where your beauty is coming from, God is kind of saying you're missing it. For your own sake. There's nothing wrong with the boots. Get excited about the boots. But that's not the point. The beauty shouldn't drive from the boots. If you're getting it from there, there's something in your heart that's missing. He says, can you just say with me, instead? Instead, it should be that of your inner self. You know, the inner, it, it should come from you. And so as it says, the unfading beauty, it's when time comes down and, you know, as you get older, you know, you start to look at your skin and you go, what's that bump? That's supposed to be there, right? You know, that's kind of how it is. And you, you talk to those that are in their 70s, they got different stuff. They go, yeah, I got stuff growing here. There's something down here. I don't know what that is, Right? 
right? That's how, that's how it goes because you start to fade and, you know, you touch your kid's skin and you're going, like, that's pure snow. I can't believe that. Then you touch your own skin and you're going, all right, so maybe I shouldn't have gone to the beach, you know? And, and the thing is, is that, but the inner beauty is unfading. It's unfading. In fact, though outwardly, eventually I'll waste away, inwardly I'm being renewed all the time. I'm talk, I talk to people who, who, who feel like they're facing their last days, and guess what? God is still speaking to them. He's still convicting them of things. He's revealing his glory to them. He is purifying their souls even while they lay there. He's working. A gentle and quiet spirit, listen, which is of great worth in God's sight. Sometimes we look at the scripture of God doesn't like this and God doesn't like that, but he likes this. Change your heart about the Lord. When the Lord is looking at this and he's thinking this worthwhile, the Lord is looking at this and saying, this is good. I like this. It's a great worth. You ever see your kids? You ever see your kids? You know, and, and you think to yourself, man, I'm proud of my kids. Or I see something good in my kids. And look, the gifts that come out of my kids. You feel good about it. Amen, parents? And God does too. It's not a bar to get his love. I'm going to love him no matter what. God's going to love me no matter what. But guess what? There's something powerful about pleasing God anyway, isn't it? That I get to please him. We're at the end here. Women, I just encourage you. And, and this is not a convicting. This is, I want you to know that this scripture isn't because of any prompting I had from the Lord to say, warn the women of the adventure. I didn't sense that at all. Not at all. I really didn't. And I would have said so if I felt so. I'm, I'm not one to shrink back. But I, I, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you, men and women, is that you, God has a beauty he's put in you. It's gentleness. It's a controlled spirit. He wants you to reflect it in all kinds of ways. Why don't you close your eyes and let's cry out to the Lord just for a moment, not necessarily with real tears, but real passion. Father, I thank you that you are gentle. And can I have the uh, base camp leaders come forward? Father, I thank you that your gentleness is evident to us in the way that you act and the way that you react. And Lord, some that don't know you that well, they're, they're testing it, Lord. And like I said last week, Lord, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and taste him. Come and test him. You'll see that he's good. He says, test me with your finances. He says, test me with your heart. You know, move in closer. Draw near to me. I promise you, I'll draw near to you. Everything is reciprocated. Come closer. Come to the God that loves you and that knows you, that wants you. And he, he not only like knows you and knows about you, he knows your very makeup. He designed you. There's a fulfillment. He's come to give you good all the days of your life. Peace all the days of your life. If gentleness has been the real cry of your heart, I want to encourage it. Be genuine. If gentleness is something that you've needed, maybe you've had your own version of it, but you want God's gentleness. If that's you, would you just raise two hands up to God just to say, Papa, I want it. Papa, that's Abbas in the New Testament Greek. 
Abbas, Papa, I want your, I need gentleness, Lord. And just say, Lord, I need it in my, my life, to my image. Lord, I need it in the way I speak to my neighbors. I need it how I speak to my family, how I speak to the people around me. And say, Lord, I need it in my actions, how I behave. Fill us with your gentleness. And Father God, I thank you for your mercies too through the cross. And I want to remind everyone out there that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He paid for them. Every one of your sins, that wasn't only, that was a violent act. It was a powerful act so that the Holy Spirit, the comfort her, the gentle one, could come to you and live in you. He paid for all your sins so that you wouldn't have to. If you need that forgiveness this morning and say, Pastor, I need the forgiveness of God. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I need that forgiveness. Or you need the reminder of it. If that's you, we just raise your hand, look up at me. I want to just agree with you. Amen. 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 Just look up at me. Don't be shy. Amen. I see you. Amen. I see you. Anyone else that I missed? Over here, my right. Amen. I see you over there and over here. Is that you? Amen. Anyone else? Maybe in the center section. Father God, I thank you for these. And why don't you just all pray together and just say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving my sins. All of them. My past sins. Lord, the sins I'm still struggling with. And Lord, those things that, I, that need still to be corrected in the future. I'm forgiven. Teach me to walk in your ways. Teach me your paths. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let the fruit come out of my life. And Lord, give me gentleness. Give me love. Give me peace. And you just quote them there, goodness, joy, patience, self-control.